0: All right, I want to get you to go ahead and open up in your Bible to Luke chapter 8. I'm going to be uh, in verse 22 in, in just a moment. Um, uh, Jesus prefaces this, this account of, of legion. We're going to be talking about legion, and uh, it's a really cool story. But he prefaces it by saying this, No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but high on a lampstand so that it gives light to all who are in the house. And it's a verse that you and I probably grew up with. You know it well, but you you hear it and you think, well, yeah, that makes sense. But what does that mean? Why does he say it? Do you know what he says following that in the book of Luke? He says this Be very careful then how you listen. How about that? Be very careful how you listen. No one lights a lamp. And puts it under a basket. Jesus is saying this. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? But high on a lampstand. So it gives light to all who are in the house. Why did he say it? Who's he speaking to? What's going on? Jesus is trying to demonstrate something through the book of Luke right now. Um, He went and he healed a cripple. He went and he healed a leper. He went and he healed somebody with leprosy. Um, That's the same thing as the leper. He went and healed somebody. But every healing, whether it was in the synagogue or in a place of rulers, no one in the book of Luke so far has celebrated a healing. Instead, the Jews, the Pharisees, the religious leaders have turned and they've said, how dare you heal on a Sabbath? How dare you not understand? Like Daniel spoke last week, this is a sinful woman. Do you not understand that that is a sinful woman? Do you not understand in everything Jesus is trying to help the religious people understand? People have value. Do you see this woman, he says? Do you see these people? Do you care about their hurt? Do you care about what they're going through? This is where Jesus is at right now. This is a message he's trying to bring. And so before he crosses the lake... To go to the other side, which is an amazing message to me. Before he goes to the other side, he says this. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. That's not how it works. Um, Years ago, um, I was laughing at Paul this morning. He was talking about the same area of Austin that we're from um, in in class. We used to go all over Austin um, searching for the best soul food. In fact, we would go as far as Dallas, and we would look at different places. And you ask about soul food, I can tell you about soul food in Austin and Dallas. But there's one restaurant in downtown Austin called Queen. Oh, it's a long name, Queen Nubian Lola's Soul Food. And I said I've got to try this place out. It's got a creative name. So I got my friend um, Jasmine, and we went down. In fact, Tamara has gone down there with us before too. And I walked in this little tiny restaurant, and it's just nasty inside. And there's gross things hanging from the ceiling, and the walls are painted all kinds of crazy colors. And this place is weird. And I walked up, and this lady just looks at me, and she looks like death. She just looks like death. And I'm not going to be judgmental, but I totally am. She looked like death. And she just looked up at me, and she goes, what do you want? Uh, and I was looking at the menu, and I was about to order. And she goes, never mind. And she took the menu out of my hand. And she goes, I don't have time to make anything for you. And I said, wow. And she goes, unless you want some gumbo, I have time to do gumbo. And I said, I'll take gumbo. And then and then she asked if I wanted Cajun iced tea. And I said, yes. And so she gave me some cherry Kool-Aid. And so we w- sat down at this table that's leaning. And I had to hold my arm on the table to keep my cup from falling off the table. I just remember it was leaning like that. And um, then she came over and she said, uh, I saw you guys were reading the Bible together. And I said, yes, ma'am. Um, and she said, um, this is a Holy Ghost restaurant. I just want to let you know that. And the Holy Ghost told me what color to paint these. And just went off and we are like having fun with it. You know, it was kind of a funny experience. And then she said, and you're just in time for new, uh, the Holy Ghost hour. And I said, I don't I have no idea what's about to go down in this restaurant right now. Um, and uh, next thing I know, over the radio... Um, they announced the Holy Ghost Hour with Queen Nubia Lola or whatever. And a radio show started in this restaurant. And they invited us to be the guests on the radio show. Hang out with me for a day. Crazy things happen. This is my life. And they asked us to be guests on the radio show. Well, before this happened, uh, she challenged me. Because she found out I was a minister in a church. And she goes, oh, you're one of those people that dresses like a clown and lives in a cave. And I, I was like, what? And I didn't know what she meant. And she said, no, you're one of those people who dresses like a clown and lives in a cave. I know. And I was like, well, I, I can tell that it's, it's a pejorative thing you just said. I, 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 but I don't know what it means. And then I realized, oh, you're talking about the suits and the ties. And you're talking about the way we dress, like for Sundays. And that we our religion is for church buildings. But we're not really out there. We're not really caring for people. We're not really engaged. We're not really involved. And of course, I was like, Oh, you do not know me. Uh, Let's go. You want to talk? Let's talk. I want to get, I mean, this is my heart. She was doing so much for the homeless of Austin. I mean, when I found out more about what she was doing and what was happening behind the restaurant, how many people she was supplying for, everything she was doing, and she said, you churches, you just come together and sing songs and dress right. You don't want to come here. This is where the spirit is working. Now, she was very negative, right? But she had a good point. And it's the point that Jesus is kind of making here. He says, you don't take a light and put it under a basket. You don't lock up church in a church building. You don't lock up church with religious people. No, you put the light on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Remember what he says next? Now, be careful how you heard what I just said. So Jesus was a master of illustration, wasn't he? So he says this, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. Now when he says those words, we're going to the other side of the lake, this is what he's talking about. Um, about 8.2 miles um, from Capernaum to approximately where they might have landed in the Decapolis. About 8.2 miles roundabout. It was just right there, just across the lake. You could just see it. That's what it looked like. But in the Jewish mind, the Decapolis, everything we've seen so far takes place right in this area. Jesus has bounced back and forth from Nazareth to Capernaum and occasional trips to Jerusalem for the, the feast days. But the entire Gospel of Luke really has been generally in this area. And now all of a sudden, we're going to go to the Decapolis. Now these ten cities, Gadara, Gerasa, Scythopolis, Dion, Pella, Hippo, Shaphana, Canatha, Damascus, Philadelphia. These ten cities make up what we call the Decapolis. These were ten cities that were associated with extreme evil and perversion. That's how they saw the Decapolis. In most of these cities I just named, you've never heard of. And the reason why is because in the Bible, it just doesn't, it's not a place where Jews went because they worshiped pigs. Pigs were everywhere. That was a big part of what they were. They associated the Decapolis with darkness, with death. There's my pig there, with, with, um, what is what is absolute, let's say, sin, sin would be represented by the pig. It's what's unclean. It was a place that was dark, a sick place to go. Um, it was known for their gymnasiums. Um, I know gymnasium sounds like an innocent word in our culture. Most of y'all go to the gyms. But keep in mind, the word gym in Greek means naked. Okay? So gymnasium is the naked training center, is literally what the word means. And so they would stay away from that, Right? They would stay away from the acting and the plays where they promoted a system of evil in their minds. They celebrated Epicurean philosophies and they taught Epicurean philosophy which taught that pleasure is the greatest good. And so they would associate the Decapolis in this area with extreme perversion, extreme evil. Something that is an absolutely immoral society. And absolutely, I want you to think darkness, I want you to think death, I want you to think impurity and sickness and sin, not a place that a Jew could go. Um, you stay over there and we're going to stay over here, even though it's 8.2 miles away. So Jesus says, let's go to the other side of the lake. Immediately they get in this boat and the storms come. And the storm is raging and everything, it seems to be standing between them and coming over here to this region of the Decapolis. And and as soon as the disciples are thinking, we're about to die, Jesus demonstrates authority and he silences the storms and everything. But paint this picture in your mind. Storms in the background. It's dark. It's nighttime. You arrive on shore, finally, at a cemetery. A man comes screaming out of the tombs, chains hanging off his wrists because the text said no chain could hold him. Screaming, chains hanging off wrists, naked man in a cemetery with storms. This is the picture Luke is painting for where they come. It never even says the disciples got out of the boat. I'm not sure they did. Jesus gets out of the boat. And that's kind of where we're going to pick up in our text in Luke 8. I'm going to read just a little bit of this beginning in verse 26. They sailed to the region of the Gerizines, which is across from the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town for a long time. I want you to hold on to that phrase. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but he had lived in tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? What no Jew has called Jesus so far. I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it seized him, and though he was chained, hand and foot, and kept under guard, he had spoken... um, He had broken his change and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Mm. Man, no one has ever even recognized this man. He is living in death. He lives in the tombs, probably desiring death. He cuts himself. He beats himself. He has no name. Jesus says, what is your name? Legion. Because there's more wrong with me than you can possibly imagine. I have a lot of names. You could give, give me whatever disease you want to ascribe to me. You could assign to me whatever, whatever you want to say about me. And most people in this room right now, you have a name. It's not Jeff. And that's the funny thing about, about when we meet each other. I remember the very first time I met Steve. We exchanged names. I did not know how deep he... Our relationship would mean to me. I didn't know how much he would mean to me. I just knew he was Steve. And when we first exchange names with somebody, it's hard, it's shallow. What else is it gonna be? I'm not gonna expose my life to a stranger. That's not what we do. So when you ask me how I'm doing, what is your name, I'm gonna casually reply. Because there are deep parts of who I am that that's my real name. Who are you really? What is your name? Mm. That's a question Christ can ask every single one of us. Look in our gut and say, this is your name. This is who you are. I'm going to take up every pain that has defined your life. Every fear that defines your life. Every abno- your, your circumstances, your poverty, your wealth, your job. Everything that might define you. That's your name. And this man just says this. My name Legion, because I'm conquered. I am a man that is conquered by everything, and there is no hope for this man. There is no hope in this in this circumstance. And then he says this: "It says because many demons had gone into him, they begged him repeatedly not, and uh, not to order them." To go into the abyss. What's so interesting about this. And I'm just going to camp on this for a second. Is in Mark's account. It says this. They begged him not to send them out of the region. Okay. So don't over spiritualize the abyss here. Into some kind of weird word for hell. He's simply saying this. Don't cast us into the sea. Why? Because just like the, the centurion. Just like this woman. This man represents something greater than himself. I believe in the text of Luke, this man represents the entire region. He represents the sinful and the sick living in the Decapolis. He represents the entire region. And so Christ comes and sends this demon into a herd of pigs, the very thing that represented the region, the very God they worshipped, and the pigs run into the abyss. God making this statement, this territory now belongs to me. My kingdom has come here, and I see this man, and I love this man. Now in this account, this man is healed. He's given a new name. In fact, not once in the story has anyone expressed any fear. Until, it says this, they saw him dressed and in his right mind. And they were terrified. Because they saw the power of the gospel in somebody's life. Because the gospel somehow went to the other side. 8.2 miles away. Now, keep in mind, I'm rounding that up, but it's super close, because I couldn't help but think that Buckingham Park, I said 8.2, I'm totally wrong, 3.8, 3.8 miles away, almost the exact same distance from here to Buckingham Park. Um, I was given a text last night by Bob, and Bob's not here this morning. Bob asked me to send this sermon to him this afternoon, and I'm going to. It's the first time somebody has physically threatened me to pray for them. He sends me a text last night that says, uh, Brother, I need prayers. I need you to be praying for me. And if you don't, I'm going to come find you and put you in a headlock. <laughs> and I, I was thinking, um, at first I was laughing about that, and then... Uh, this verse hit me, and I love this verse so much. So I want to share it with you, and I want to share it with Bob. First Samuel 12.23 says this. As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. What a verse. Samuel says that to the people of Israel right after they had asked for a king. Far be it from me that I would sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. Um, Our ministry in the park, I hope you know this, is representative of a lot of ministries that are happening. There are a lot of people in this room that are going to the other side, going to places that are uncomfortable. A year ago, uh, Tara and Tim are here this morning. Um, Tara, you were baptized into Christ, was it a year ago? Yeah, Tim, you were ba- they were baptized. Tim and Tara, I want y'all to stand up real quick. They were baptized on the day they were married. Um, Tara and Tim and I, let's just be honest in front of everybody. We've been through hard stuff. There have been times where y'all have not liked me that much. There have been times where we have been at each other's throats. There have been tough, but the Spirit's worked in y'all's life, right? And I see two people right here. We've been in the hospital together. In fact, one time, I'm going to share a story. I'm going to just say this. Tim, I came to visit you in the hospital. I'm not going to talk about the circumstances, but I came to visit you. And they were wheeling a cart out of his room, and they had just pronounced the man dead. People were standing around it praying over it. I came and prayed over Tim because he was dead. And then we said amen, and I looked up, and it wasn't Tim. This is a true story. And I went into his room, and I was like, tears. And I was like, Tim, I love you. Uh But in that time, since that time, and I'm not going to keep y'all standing forever. Um, yesterday, you were able to baptize a friend into Christ. Uh, Rachel was baptized last month. Um, who was baptized last? month? Jeanette was baptized last month. Y'all can sit down. I want, but I just want you to know something. The ministry in the park is a rough place to go. It's a very difficult place to go. You see things. You hear things that are hopeless. You see situations, and it's been you before, that is hopeless. Where you just want to look at it and say, that's not a good place to do ministry. What is that going to do for the church? What is that going to do? Is there an end goal for this ministry? Is there a purpose in this? How on earth can we sustain a ministry like this? Bob, and I'm talking to spiritual Bob that's over here, over the... Um, Bob, how on earth are you going to keep your sanity? How on earth are you going to survive Satan's attacks on your gut and on your soul doing a ministry like that? Why not just stay on your own side of the lake? Why not just stay under a basket? Why don't you just keep your religion in church? Why take it out there? And Jesus continually drives this point home. No one takes a lamp and puts it under a basket but high on a lampstand that gives light to all who are in the house. This man's situation was completely hopeless. And Christ, by his authority, by his power, accomplishes the impossible. And did you know that this man, you study the history, this man becomes one of the key, key people in transforming the entire region and bringing people to Christ. People are transformed. So this man whose life was just in the tombs, it was death, it was over. Now all of a sudden has found meaning and purpose and direction for his life. That is the power of Christ, to transform someone. Who's across the lake from you? Are they across the border? Are they across partisan lines? Are they across town? They might just be across the room. There are people in a room dressed quite nicely this morning that are still living in death, living in darkness, living in chains. They're unseen and they're nameless. It's all around us and Christ wants to ask us to do this one thing. I want you to listen well. You know how different ways we listen in discussions? When somebody really likes you or just likes peace, you know how some people just listen to agree? And they'll agree with whatever comes out of your mouth and you can test them by saying the dumbest thing and they're just going to agree with you. Because some people listen to agree. Other people listen to disagree. And it does not matter what you say. They're always thinking about how they're going to respond to you in the comeback. And you try saying the most simple, obvious things and you're still going to be disagreed with. Other people listen to evaluate. How, services this mo- how were services this morning? How was it? How were- but sometimes Christ puts it in our gut to listen so we can evaluate our heart. What does he mean when he says this to me? Um, I want to lift up our church in a prayer. And particularly, I want to lift up my brother, Bob. Um, one consistent in my time as a minister. Um, and I was looking back over my papers this last week, back, way back when I was a youth minister in Leander and then at West Side, and all the plans that I would lay out. Direction I would lay out, the vision, carefully planned outlines, things that I wanted to do. Whenever something awesome and transformative took place, in my experience, not everyone's, but whenever something awesome and transformative took place, do you know this? It was never once something I planned. Never once. In fact, it was never once something I did. There's a confession for you. It was always something that came and God saying, I'm just going to throw you this. And some of you guys have been that gift in this church and in that life, in my life. And just when we were praying for it, just when we needed it, Bob and Laura came our way. And it's been tough. But let me tell you, it's a gift from God and it's been a gift from God to work with them. The ministry that's happening in the park is not handing out burgers and sandwiches to people and hot dogs to people. Someone's life was changed forever yesterday. Someone's life was transformed. And through people that are even in this room this morning, through tough times we've been through together at the park. Listen, lives are being transformed so I want to pray this challenge over you, and I'm never going to be the person to tell you, hey, everybody, you need to get to the park. Some of y'all, you do need to. But you do need to look for where the other side of the lake is. You do need to find out what's, where is God calling your light to shine so that the light is not shining in the light, but the light is shining in the darkness. Uh, my Father, I want to lift up to you. Um, our ministry in the park and I want to lift up to you Bob and Laura and I want to beg of you Father that you preserve us and protect us God because I feel that storm and I feel like the insecurity and the uncertainty and I just pray God that by your spirit um, you would continue to work through us and that you would surprise us Um, I'm thankful for lives that are being transformed and changed and I pray God that you would convince us in our spirit That no one is beyond your grace. No one is beyond your power. No one is beyond your reach. Not one person. And I pray, God, that you would transform us and give us new names. So that our name is no longer homeless. Our name is no longer addict. Our name is Christian. Our name is follower of Christ. Our name is redeemed. Our name is forgiven. I thank you, Father, for new life. And I pray, God, that you would (sighs) cause your church not to be a bunch of clowns that live in caves. uh, But, God, that you would mobilize us. Father, for those ministries that are taking place that are in this room right now that have incredible, many of them private ministries, that are really, truly on the other side of that lake, God asked by your Spirit you would bless their ministry. And I pray that you would bring light to this city. It's in the name of Christ to come before you and praise you. Amen. Let's stand and worship God.